I'm Tom Francis, and this is Next Up to the Mic, where we go back into the archives and feature the poets, writers, and spoken word artists that have performed at regional literary and arts events over the years right here in upstate New York. On this 18th episode of the podcast, we welcome Brian Roselle, who was our featured performer at the Nitty Gritty Slam at the Lobby in Albany, New York on February 3rd, 2015. Brian is a poet and science teacher in the Lower Hudson Valley. In addition to hosting open mics, poetry slams, and workshops in Nyack, New York, he has competed at the National Poetry Slam in 2012, 2013, and 2014. His poetry, as he says, is mostly about girls, sadness, and rocks. Please welcome, next up to the mic, Brian Roselle. It's Tuesday in America. And all of the good Americans are on their way to work to show that they are good workers in America. The sounds of their cars and trains yelling into my window, look how productive I am. I don't hate my life at all. (laughs) And I want to be a good American too. So my dad can still be proud of me and my mom can still tell me I'm special. But no one told the sun that today is a work day, so the still dark inky sap of 7 a.m. pre-dawn sticks my eyelids shut because it's February now. So the sun gets up whenever the hell the sun wants. And I try to lodge a complaint with human resources, but Phil just says this isn't celestial resources, but I don't know anyone in that department, so my emails keep bouncing. It's Tuesday in America, and I want to be happy and fulfilled and have the nice things. So I buy myself a sunrise machine to reprogram this poorly wired robot body that God built for me because God is not a good roboticist and he has no prior work experience. And who hired him anyway? And I try and try to find the extension to transfer me to supernatural resources, but the phone just rings and rings. I go to work on Tuesday in America to pour my life into an array of devices that convert my minutes into dollars and meaning and purpose. No one ever tells me what the conversion rate is. I'm saving up to buy a Nintendo iPad Galaxy 72-inch orgasm because it's so damn thin and I need another product to be jealous of. (laughs) And at work, everyone talks about going to the gym because we don't move a lot at work, so we have to pay some guy our work money to let us move in his sweaty warehouse so we don't die, so we can work more. (coughs) And when people ask me about CrossFit or exercise routines, I tell them I don't really like going to the gym because it doesn't make me happy. And maybe I joke that lifting the cookie to my mouth is my exercise. (laughs) But no one ever asks me, so no one knows how sparkling and clever and worthy of love I am. And in the break room at work, the bulletin board has a piece of paper stapled to it with pictures of children who have been missing for longer than I've been working here. I don't know what to do with all of their faces. Should I be looking for these children? Lighting candles? Praying every night to Amerigo Vespucci to discover us a newer world where children don't go missing? And we can, get, we can all get $50 an hour for the pursuit of truth, or beauty, or a really good cookie recipe. 
but instead I just spill my plastic cup of water cooler water. And the water spreads out wide and flat and thin on the linoleum floor, and nothing's holding its edges in. Am I really relieved? for my poetry book and five of them like tried and they did not their drawings they did not understand my poems <laughs> I didn't know how to tell them like your, your drawing completely misses the point of this poem that's not what that so I just didn't say anything I just said thank you and then I didn't put them in the book <laughs> you're gonna have to apologize for that one in a year maybe <laughs> That assumes that my friends are good enough friends to actually look at. Anyway, they're really they're awesome. Um, these cost me like, after paying the artist, um, they cost me like six bucks to make. Um, I'll sell them for whatever. I'd like to sell them for 10, if eight works better for you. If you want to pay me $6 and I break even, but you really like my poetry and that's all you have, that's cool. I don't want to go under that, but if you need to go under that, I respect that need. If you love my poetry that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was gonna do a poem. That's why. I saw, I saw the picture and I got excited about the picture. This is a love poem. It doesn't sound like one, but it is. I promise. In 1992, a meteorite struck a car in Peekskill, New York. Its owner did not have meteor insurance. In 1908, an asteroid exploded in the sky over Tunguska, Siberia. Dozens of acres of trees bowed low in awed reverence. The forest did not have fireball insurance. <laughs> 65 million years ago today, an asteroid struck the Yucatan Peninsula. It was a contributing factor in the second largest extinction event of the Phanerozoic. The assembled congregations of dinosaurs gazed heavenward toward an incandescent sky as their skin began to burn. They did not have apocalypse insurance. <laughs> last night, last night a star fell. Some lost bit of cometary dandruff speared white through our atmosphere and I was always taught to wish on shooting stars. But lately I'm running out of wishes. They don't sell insurance for that. So instead, I closed my eyes and counted backward from <coughs> seven as some cold speck of gold melted and ablated and failed to kiss the Earth goodnight. And for a moment, this planet felt a little less lonely. And at the precise location of no impact, there were no craters, and there were no shock waves, and every creature that ever was came unextinct. And every creature that never was sprang into being, and unicorns playfully jousted with triceratops, and dragons flew lazy circles with pterodactyls, and hope 
was real, like Coca-Cola. <laughs> and we held hands and touched lips on the surface of the sun. And they don't sell insurance for hearts, <coughs> but I don't think I need it anymore anymore. about drinking. It's also about Latin American magical realism. <laughs> which, I guess those two things kind of go together anyway. They do. Anyway, um, this poem is called Axolotl, or some nights are best spent wandering around trying to decide if we should vomit into a pot. It's kind of a long time. After Julio Cortazar. My bourbon. I drink it at a bar, alone. Its translucent honey color is an axolotl's eye looking into me. And like a Cortazar story, little by little, my bourbon axolotl steals my body. Its soul stealing through my eyes to evict me from this honestly not that well-kept apartment. And I feel my bourbon axolotl eye replacing me as I am drawn out into its glass prison. And I stare up as my bourbon turns me gently in my glass, as my bourbon raises me to its lips, sips me, no longer winces or even registers any emotion on a calm, liquid surface, face, eyes wet and flat and blank as a tumbler two fingers deep. And I find with each sip there is less and less of me, and I don't know where I'm going or what I'm becoming, but this feeling of spiraling and draining and emptying is everything that I know. There is less and less of me as bourbon stares down, cold, unsmiling, neat, and silently consumes me, and I am disappearing, and I am gone. And bourbon stands, calm, but not serene. And bourbon walks to my car, each step carefully measured. And bourbon drives my car to my apartment, and bourbon sleeps in my bed, and kisses my girlfriend, and goes to my job, and collects my paycheck, and bourbon falls into habit and routine, and bourbon feels my empty. But having a body, having a life is better than being trapped in bottles and glasses. It's probably better, anyway. And bourbon won't go back, won't trade flesh back for silica, will keep living unfeeling behind glass-eyed walls until skin and sinew unknit. And bourbon is so alien and content that it never wonders if there's anything more. Never despairs for its ending road. Treasures every drop. Bourbon calls this body, this life, top shelf. Bourbon knows that shit ain't cheap. another poem from my really cool book. <laughs> like, if it were just my poetry in here, I'd be like, I have my book. But, like, with the illustrations now, I really like it a lot. It's, it's special now. Um, how you guys doing? Good. Alright. Alright. You, uh, feel like, uh, staying weird with me for another yes. poem? Yes! I'll get weird All right. with you. Alright. <laughs> Keep your clothes on, Peter. I assume that was Peterson. No. <laughs>
to my mother, she will never hear it. <laughs> it goes like this, short. Mom, I think I finally understand why you leave the TV or the radio always on. Sometimes any human sound, even if its maker is miles or years removed, is enough to keep away the... and everything else that comes with it. We don't really talk about illness in our family. Sometimes I wish we did. Usually I'm glad we don't. I'm just gonna stand up here and like dance a little bit. Yay! Okay. This is called Unmet and it has a really pretty picture. I don't care. <laughs> this is an autumn poem, which is why I was going to do it, and then I wasn't going to do it, and now I'm doing it. Some nights it's raining, to the smell of decomposing leaves and wood smoke, and the stars have taken the night off. And I am the full moon, all rock powder and collision, and nights like this my dust stirs and my craters ache. And I feel the micrometeoroids burying themselves in me, their thousands of tiny kisses reassuring me that I am loved. I look up, wash the shadowed earth in my reflected starlight, try to taste it. I miss the rain. I've never met her, but I miss the rain. I don't know why my craters ache, but it's because I miss the rain. I don't know what rain does to a body, the way she washes dust to deltas and floodplains, the way she makes you grow in ways you never thought you could, turns gray to green and growing. I need that. I don't know that I need that, only that my craters ache, that my dust stirs dry and restless. My life is already grand and complex. I, a cosmic ballerina, engaged in elaborate planetary dance. Turn, pull, reflect. Turn, pull, reflect. I look for solace in the sunlight and the shadow, find joy in the warming and the cooling, ignorantly lack. I do not know the shape of you. I don't know how to look for you. I don't know that I need to look. If we meet, I will not recognize you. Soon, the first flower would bloom from my lips. We would smile at each other. My dust would feed your clouds, and your clouds would feed my skin. We would be grateful. I'm already grateful. I do not know the lack of you. My dust and my craters are enough. Except, sometimes in late autumn, when the smell of leaves and wood smoke remind me of nothing, and my craters start to ache. Um, so, um, I have, um, I have, I think, one more poem for you guys, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is it good? Yeah, it's my favorite. Well, rocket, though. Yeah, I'm go I'm gonna just strap a rocket to it, and <laughs> <laughs> things are gonna happen. Um, 
This poem is my last poem, I think, probably. Oh, come uh, on. What? <laughs> he does have a time slot, you know. Yeah, I'm just, okay. you know, sorry. I have my timer going, so I'm trying to be mindful. <laughs> respect the venue, respect the opening comments, because y'all are nice people. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I mean, something. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> um, this is called The Divine Mythology of the Everyday. It's a poem about a cat. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. I lied. Um, it's, I was going to call it, uh, I was going to use the word quotidian in the title, which is a word that means everyday. Um, but people don't really know the word quotidian, so I got rid of it. Yeah, no, it's something different. This is about how my life is meaningless. Here we go. There's a cat that sits in my driveway. It has green eyes and black stripes, and you wouldn't know from looking at it, but that cat is an angel. The cat stares unmoving as I pull up the driveway toward it because I, it knows I can't cause it harm. Or if it's further down the driveway when I return home, it bounds off into the brush, having spotted a demon wrapped in bluebird feathers or groundhog fur. I do not know if the cat is male or female, so I've decided that the cat is neither. Sex is an attribute of animals born haphazardly from evolution, but angels, angels don't grow organic and messy. Angels are each lovingly hand-built from the embers of stars that burned out before the earth formed. When you peer upward through your million-dollar observatory, into the far depths of distant galaxies, your eye is kissed by the light that was shed by the cat before it was given to protect this domain. In a world of seven billion humans, one in a million miracles happen 7,000 times a day. Once on the subway, a woman smiled at me. A stranger. She smiled at me like I mattered, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that woman is God. And that smile was given to me as a gift because she knew the way it would echo in my memory, spill from my lips like tea sloshing from a full cup as I hurry from day to day. I have been in churches and prayer circles, but that smile is the closest I have ever come to the divine. These stories, these holy, sacred, special, set-apart, made-up Stories are the only skin that I have left against the cold fact that we are all atoms. That atoms are indifferent. That we are indifferent. That we are drops of water on a bit of star scum at the edge of one of a hundred billion somewheres. When I die, wait. In a few billion years, the sun will swallow my ashes. She will grow small and dark, fade out in dusty death. We will all be angels. That was a great Brian Roselle from Nitty Gritty Slam number 87 at the Logie. February 3rd, 2015. 
Thank you for listening to Next Up to the Mic. We couldn't do it without the very generous supporters of the local literary and arts community. If you would like to support this and other Hudson Valley Writers Guild projects, please go to hvwg.org donate. And if you're a business and want to sponsor this podcast, send us an email at info at hvwg.org. To find out more about the great literary and arts community that we have right here in upstate New York, go to hvwg.org and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HV Writers Guild.